Welcome to No Rain Date, a community podcast about local news and people. No Rain Date is a production of Saucon Source LLC. For more local news and information, please visit SaucinSource.com. Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of No Rain Date, the podcast for Saucon Source, your source for local news and events. I'm Josh Popachak, the publisher of Sock and Source and your host for No Rain Date. And these are the latest headlines that we're talking about this week in Saucon Valley. On Thursday, October 1st, Saucon Valley High School reopened after a five-day closure, which was ordered by Superintendent Dr. Craig Butler following two confirmed cases of coronavirus in the school. One of the cases involved a high school student and the other case involved a teacher. We certainly hope that both of them are doing well and have recovered if they had any symptoms. We have not received any reports of any additional cases, so that's good news. And as I said, the school reopened, extracurricular activities resumed with precautions in place. And as of Friday, October 2nd, things appear to be going smoothly. Sports are being played. Saucon Source and Saucon Athletics have partnered together with help from local business sponsors to bring you live stream coverage of many of the fall sports. We live streamed a girls soccer game, which was Saucon Valley versus Southern Lehigh on Thursday. The Saucon girls gave it their all. They were simply outmaneuvered by the Spartan team, which is an older, more experienced team. They've gelled and they had an advantage over Saucon, even though Saucon had the home field advantage. But it was a beautiful day for soccer and it's great simply that they're able to play and many of you can relate to that after the the year that we've had and the uh, many fall starts, especially with sports this fall. The football team is scheduled to play its first game of the 2020 season on Saturday, October 3rd. Saucon Valley will do battle against Bangor, and that's beginning at 5 p.m. Saucon Source, of course, will be live streaming that live from the Saucon Valley School District Stadium, and we hope you'll tune in. You can watch it live on YouTube by visiting the Saucon Athletics channel. And you can even set a reminder for yourself for the football game and other future games. We try to create the event ahead of time, and that way when the game begins, you'll receive a notification on your phone or tablet that the game is beginning, and it will remind you to tune in and watch live. Of course, if you can't watch it live, the games are recorded, and the videos are on YouTube to watch later. We're also embedding the videos and stories on Sock and Source and sharing them on Facebook. So we're covering all the bases to bring the sports to you and to give these student athletes the recognition they deserve. Certainly nobody enjoys as much playing in an empty stadium and just knowing that there are hundreds, if not thousands of fans watching them at home or or somewhere else is going to give them a confidence boost. So 
We do hope you'll tune in. And, and of course, we also want to thank our sponsors for the girls' soccer. We want to thank Andrew and Sonia Hughes of Hellertown, who have generously sponsored girls' soccer coverage for several years now. They do that in recognition of their daughters, who were outstanding high school athletes in Berks County before the Hughes family moved to Hellertown. We really appreciate that and the fact that they are so aware of the fact that girls' sports are not always covered equally. That's not just true here, that's true everywhere. So we really applaud them for their generous support. For football, our gold sponsor is the Saucon Valley Football Booster Club. And we appreciate them and, and everything they do, not just during football season, but all year round. They're constantly fundraising and working to provide the team with all of the tools they need to succeed. Any sport is, is not cheap anymore, and that's especially true for football. So they always need things above and beyond what the school district can provide. And we are grateful to the boosters for providing us with funding to help bring the game to you and we also have to thank our silver sponsor for the football that's mcdonald's of hellertown which has long had a community commitment and that can be seen in all of the fundraisers they host we frequently advertise their fundraisers on our site so look for those ads they have several coming up in october which we will be advertising for local high school and youth sports specifically so Think about checking out McDonald's before or after the game. It's close to the stadium and very convenient. And lastly, we want to thank our bronze sponsor for football, Superior Auto. Superior is also becoming a new advertiser on Sock and Source, and we appreciate Doug and all the work he's been doing to modernize the building, which is located on Main Street at, I believe it's Roth Avenue. It's at the upper end of Main Street in Hellertown, a landmark building and a well-known business. Doug has a vision to create a more welcoming, more modern waiting area with Wi-Fi, brighter colors, brighter paint inside, new counter, more comfort. So I know you're going to enjoy that once it's completed. It's, It's still a work in progress, but I got to see it today and it really looks great. Again, football. Saturday, October 3rd at 5 p.m., live on YouTube, Saucon Athletics YouTube channel, and we'll share the, the link on Saucon Source's Facebook page as well. In other business news, speaking of business, a big story over the last week has been the announcement that Yanni's Taverna in Lower Saucon Township will be reopening. If you have been in the area for several years, at least, you'll recall that the popular Greek restaurant closed following a fire in June 2017. And it was only about 10 days ago that they confirmed that they will be reopening with a post on Facebook in which they said they are hiring for all positions. There has not been a specific date announced yet, but you'll want to follow them on Facebook to see that information once it becomes available. If you like Greek food, it's one of the best in the area. So we wish them well in their process of reopening. In Hellertown, another restaurant that has been closed is also planning a reopening. Later in October, 
Mystical Treats was a cafe that opened about two years ago with a fantasy theme, a very unusual type of decor for, for a restaurant, but it was popular, especially with younger families and kids because of unicorns, dragons, wizards, and witches, and pretty much every kind of fantasy character that you uh, could love, they've had it. The business has gone through some changes, and certainly with COVID-19, they were closed for an extended period of time. As I mentioned, they still are closed, but they've used that time to good advantage and have hired a new head chef who we recently spoke with. Andrew has a vision for the new menu at what is going to be called Drip, the Flavor Lab. The menu is going to be focused on gourmet burgers and sides. They're going to, of course, continue to have fantastic coffee and ice cream, which I'm a big fan of. They're also going to be introducing their own line of craft hard cider. So if you're a fan of hard cider, you'll definitely want to check out Drip the Flavor Lab when they reopen, which will be sometime in late October. And we'll be covering that. We'll have advertising for them. So continue to follow their progress on Sock and Source. In another business story, we have an update on the Hellertown Starbucks. The Starbucks was first announced in February. It's going to be located in the former Bank of America building, which is at Main Street and Polk Valley Road, right on the border of Hellertown Borough and Lower Saucon Township. The bank closed more than two years ago, and the building's been vacant since then. Over the past week or so, work began to do some demolition inside, and I was told by the borough zoning officer that they are also in the process of removing the vault that was inside. So there won't be seating inside the vault in this former bank turned into a Starbucks. It will have a drive-through, and um, more details will certainly be shared at an upcoming planning meeting at which the representatives for Starbucks are going to address some concerns planners raised in May regarding traffic in the area. It is located at one corner of a very busy intersection. So we'll be following that and we'll bring you updates about an opening date for Starbucks as soon as we have one. We did reach out to Starbucks spokespeople uh, this week at their corporate headquarters and, and they did not provide any specific information about that. Lastly, in the good news category, if you like open space and nature, it was announced by the Wildlands Conservancy in late September that they have preserved another property in the area of South Mountain, the 187-acre parcel straddles Salisbury and Upper Saucon Townships, and includes a mix of woods and fields. It's a habitat for many species of birds, amphibians, and it's the third parcel in that area that the Wildlands Conservancy has successfully protected in a little over a year. So that's great news that that will be wild and free forever. And Wildlands also announced that they are in the process of creating a plan for public access to the land, for passive recreation 
and that's also very exciting. We are blessed in the Lehigh Valley to have many wonderful parks and recreation areas, and it's easy to forget about them, but this is a great time of year to get out and enjoy them. It's not hot anymore. Um, the weather's been great, actually, for walking, hiking, biking, so take advantage of it while you can because it won't be long before we're in for some much colder weather. We all know what <laughs> comes with that, the S word. But thank you for joining us for this week's News Roundup. Next up, we have interviews with Hellertown Area Library Director Noelle Kramer, as well as our friends from Root Crafted Cocktail Mixers in Lower Saucon. And I know you're going to want to listen to those. Hey, Panther fans, here we are with our inaugural podcast summarizing the upcoming home opener, Saucon Valley versus those Banger Slaters. Banger coming off a 42-7 thumping at the hands of the Becca High Golden Hawks. We'll roll into Saucon Valley on a first Saturday matinee, 5 o'clock kickoff. Banger's defense versus Saucon Valley's offense. Banger will line up in a 43-22, a 4-3 look, cover two deep. They'll run some man-to-man out of that also. Up front, they have some size, but uh, it's their outside, their defensive ends that has the Panthers a little bit worried. The defensive end pressure is something to watch with their quickness off the edge. The Slaters have a couple of singers who are going to try to bring some heat, use their athleticism from around the corner. Number six, Joe Gentile, six foot 160, and number 11, Jared Rito, six foot 170. They're going to bring it and try to get all over the Panthers. Saucon Valley has some skilled players to combat that. Junior Dante Mahaffey is back for his third season as the starting quarterback, and he's bulked up six foot 195, number 12, started as a freshman, and again, he's entering his third year as a Panther starter. Mahaffey is every bit of dual threat and accounted for almost 1,000 yards of total offense last year and had a hand in 19 touchdowns. Mahaffey is looking better than ever and looks real good this year. Mahaffey has great command of this new offense. The running back tandem of senior, number 30, Damien Garcia and sophomore Josh Torres are also in the mix as playmakers for the Panthers. A bulked up Garcia, tipping the scales 5'10", 200 is a returner who should be a tough tackle. He's a thousand yard rusher from a year ago. Garcia is being pushed, however, for minutes by the young Torres. Torres, number 22, 5'9", 165 is a sophomore. He has a little wiggle to his run to go along with his speed and great vision. He'll certainly have a pretty cool highlight tape at the end of this season. There's no doubt. Saucon Valley is probably deepest with the receiving core. Junior, Ty Sensitz, number 11. He led Saucon Valley with eight catches, 210 yards, three touchdowns, and only five games last year. Ty was injured last year in a Wilson game and missed the second half of the season. Sophomore, Alex Magnata, number 13. Magnata is a long six foot three with very good hands. There's also junior E.T. Harris, number 18. He's much improved from a year ago and will do good things for the Panthers. Perhaps, however, the most improved Panther receiver is senior Aaron Grog, number 85 at 5'10", 170. Groggy has had an awesome preseason. Junior Michael Cortez, number 80, has been flashing the hands. Cortez is new to the Panther varsity roster and a nice target for Mahaffey at 6'2", 200 pounds. The Panther offensive line, a big question mark. The returner, David Osman, who's going to be a four-year starter, is 6'1", 230. 
Osmond's been around for a while. Joining Osmond to hold the front line will be junior Jack Marushak and sophomore Owen Frederick. Sophomore Cody Sweeney at 5'11", 250 started last year at center. However, he was injured in the offseason. Sweeney will be missed. He should be back in about three, four more weeks. Let's take a look at Bangor's offense versus the Saucon Valley defense. Bangor will operate out of a shotgun and based on their game last week versus Becca. It is really a two-man Slater show. Number six quarterback Joe Gentile and number three senior C.J. Miles, who is a wideout. Gentile was Bangor's starting quarterback last year and threw for over 400 yards in only three and a half games. He was injured, but is now back and ready to make some noise for his senior season. He did struggle in the face of Becca's pressure last week, but has proven he can throw the ball. He is dual threat and very quick. He seems to want to get out of the pocket and run rather than stay in the pocket and pass. It could be a long night for the Panthers if they cannot contain Gentile and keep him in the pocket. When Gentile throws, he's looking for senior number three, C.J. Miles. Miles is a home run hitter at 6'1", 170, and has speed to burn. Miles had a 60-yard TD against Becca and was able to get behind Becca's secondary a few times last week. He's dangerous with a capital D. The Panther defensive backs cannot get lulled to sleep as Miles and Gentile are capable of creating explosive plays. Saucon Valley will need to get pressure on Gentile and try to collapse the pocket around him. Defensively, Saucon Valley will run what looks like a 4-4, but it's actually a 4-2-5. Sophomore, Ty Fizzamere looks to lead the Panther defense from his inside linebacker position. Fizzy is listed at 5'10", 185, but plays much, much bigger. He's like a throwback tough guy and led the team in tackles last year. Ty Sensitz joins Fizzamere, along with Garcia and sophomore Travis Riefenstahl in the linebacking core. Osman, Cortez, and senior Chris Mann will anchor the defensive line. Look for juniors E.T. Aris and Josiah Davis, number seven, to join Mahaffey as defensive backs in the Panthers secondary. Last year, Saucon Valley defeated the Slaters 28-21 in a come-from-behind victory. If the Panthers can adequately protect Mahaffey and give him a little breathing room, perhaps he can match or better the three touchdown passes he threw against the Slaters last year. And of course, Saucon needs to take care of the football. Eliminate those turnovers. It seems they have too many offensive weapons to be stopped by the Slaters if they can take care of the ball. However, the Panthers cannot contain the scramble ability of Gentile and stop the big throws to Miles. It could be a shootout. This Saturday evening game could end up being a shootout and won by the team whose defense plays the best. Good luck, Panthers. The source is with you. Here at Sock and Source, our mission is to provide information and make it as available as possible to the people in our community. A large part of that is a public service, and we're grateful for the support we have from local advertisers because that revenue helps keep the information flowing to you, our readers and listeners. Local news production does cost money, and that's why we've also introduced a voluntary membership option on Sock and Source, and we'd like to tell you a little more about that. Essentially, the membership 
is a recurring monthly contribution that shows your support for the work that we're doing. It helps guarantee that the information will remain free and accessible to you as well as to others in our community and it also helps fund our future growth. Sock and Source is growing and we're expanding our coverage area. The more support we receive from the community, the better coverage we can provide and the more useful the site will be to you. So that's why we would invite you to visit our membership page on the website sockandsource.com. You can do that by clicking on join under my sock and source which you'll see on the right side of your screen if you're on a desktop or at the bottom of any article page. You'll see several membership options including a monthly membership for $7, a four-month membership for $25, or a yearly membership for $70. These are strictly voluntary contribution levels and they're not any part of a paywall. There's no requirement to contribute, but we are grateful for those who have already done so and we hope that you will consider purchasing a membership in the future. Doing so is quick and easy. You can do it securely online and you can cancel at any time. Thank you again to all our current members and thank you for considering becoming a future member. It's my pleasure to welcome Noelle Kramer, the director of the Hellertown Area Library, to this week's episode of No Rain Date. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I've known Noelle for a few years. She and her family uh, live locally. They live in Lower Saucon Township, and she's been very involved in the community. You started out working at the library a few years ago, and then you were also studying library science at the same time, right? That's correct. I um, Well, I started out as a volunteer at the library about 10 years ago, and then I decided to go back to school for library, master's in library science. And when a position opened up at the library, I applied, and I started working as the communications director, well, community outreach coordinator, and when the director position opened up, I applied for that, and here I am. Right. So what, going back in time, like what sort of, when you were, when you were a kid, did you think I want to be, you know, be the director of a library? Or what, what was, were you always a big reader? What, what sparked the interest? I, I wish I could say that I've always wanted to be a librarian, but the truth is it took me a really long time to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> but I have always been a huge reader. I've... I was the kid who always had a book in my hand. The one time I ever got sent to the principal's office as a child, it was because I had a book in my lap. And the teacher said, all right, and called everyone to attention. And I kept reading. It was a really good book. And I wasn't quite to the end of the chapter. And I needed to find out what was going on. And I didn't put the book down. I actually slid it down below the desk and kept reading. And the teacher found out. And I got sent to the principal's office. So that was my one really bad thing that I did in school in elementary school and that, that's what I, I got in trouble for. I don't think you'd be punished for that today because they're trying to get kids to read more usually. Uh, it, it was it was disobedience right but that was my bad thing in school so I've always been a huge reader I've always had you know a book in the car or a book in my bag you know I'm, I've got three four books going at any given time so mm. all different I've, kinds or novels? Yeah, usually um, I'm a lot of fiction usually I have some nonfiction going. I, I tend to read more fiction than nonfiction, but whatever catches my fancy. I, sometimes I'll lose one and pick it up again a couple months later. Um, <laughs> never a library book. I don't lose library books. But when I was a kid, I actually grew up in Pittsburgh. 
you know, when you grow up in Pittsburgh, the Carnegies are just a huge part of the, the, the scenery, a huge part of the background of life. And right. I remember um, going into the big Carnegie libraries there, and I'm dating myself now, but way back then you could go into the stacks, and it was just a neat place to wander around. Um, one of the libraries there actually has very thick glass floors, and I don't even think you can get in there now, but you could go into the stacks with the glass floors, and they're kind of a milky glass and you can see down through the floors and see the stacks below hmm. you. And it was just a neat place to wander around. And I, when I was little, I remember for my fifth birthday, my parents had a big surprise. I didn't know what, what it was. I just knew we were going somewhere and they made a big deal about, you know, get dressed, we're all gonna go out, we're going somewhere. It's a really big surprise. Well, the big surprise is we were going to the local branch of the Carnegie Library and I was getting a library card because you had to be five years old to get a library card and <laughs> that was my big surprise that day. So libraries have always been a big part of my life. It just took right. me a while to figure out that I wanted to make them a bigger part of my life, of a career part of my life. Right. But, yeah. No, Pittsburgh, I never really even thought of that connection, but... I, oh yeah, Carnegie's just a household name there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Do they have a really robust library system in Pittsburgh? Oh, yes. Very well funded as well. Hmm. I mean, compared to most places. There's a huge Carnegie endowment from, from Carnegie. And right. there's a main library in Oakland. There's you know a couple of other large Carnegie libraries. And then there's the smaller branch libraries. Where I grew up, there was just a... It was about the same size as Hellertown, actually. Smaller right. library. There was also a Carnegie. And I don't even know if it's there anymore. I haven't been back in years. Right. Yeah, not everybody might know that, but like Carnegie was passionate about libraries, Andrew Carnegie, and he funded the construction of thousands of libraries across the U.S. around the turn of the century, early 1900s. Most of them are still in use today. They've become really uh, iconic community centers and, and centers of learning. So that's a wonderful legacy, really. It is. We occasionally get a book or two from the Carnegie. Is an interlibrary hmm. loan, even at, at Hellertown. Interesting. So. Hellertown's kind of an interesting story, the evolution of their library, because it, it is a fairly new library. It is. All things considered, it was founded in the about 30 years ago, and mm-hmm. the, the current building was built in the early 90s, thanks to a dedicated group of volunteers that felt that the borough should have its own library, but for whatever reason, it wasn't a priority until, until you know, about 30 years ago. So I guess before that, people used the Bethlehem Public Library or, or... And then for a while, they didn't have one at all. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, Hellertown is also a hub for Lower Saucon, so you have many cardholders who are from the township. We do. When it first started, it was actually... Um, run out of a storefront on Main Street before they had the money for a building. I forgot about that. Yeah. Do you remember which building it was? I don't. Because I know... We have some pictures. We have some old photograph albums in the basement. So we'll have to dig through there and see if we can find some photos. For some reason, I feel like it might have been in this block, in the 600 block, but I could be remembering wrong. But yeah, I'd love to see pictures. Yeah, there's some some neat artifacts down there. We'll have to take a look and see. Yeah. I mean, beyond... You know, you were talking about the library with the glass floor, and that made me think of the Linderman Library at Lehigh. That's a beautiful library, too. Yes. I worked in the Martindale Library when I was in college for a couple summers, but I would occasionally work in the Linderman Library, and I much preferred that because 
there's so much to look at you mm-hmm. know, the architecture and and the creaky wooden floors and the spiral staircases and you know you could sort of become scared by your own shadow in there but if you ever get a chance to visit just to look around i would you know after covid probably but you know it's, it's a really cool building with stained glass it's just stunning su- skylight yeah and i've only seen pictures i can only imagine what it's like in person yeah yeah it's really a treasure so and that's that's just the architecture the books are are the icing on the cake <laughs> it's I, I don't know i've always had a soft spot for libraries but where, where we used to live there was a family that that had there was only one member of the family left and she donated her house and her fortune to build a library in the little town where we were and over the years the the building became structurally unsound because the weight of the books they finally had to build a new library because the it was a house and they made no changes they just basically brought in books so we used to do children's story time in the bedroom and the house could no longer take the weight of the books hmm. and they finally had to condemn the building we we all donated there's a stove brick with my name on it well my family's <laughs> name because we had to build a new library because the weight of the books eventually the the house couldn't take it anymore huh and i you never really thought about it until that happened that books weigh a lot when you have that many books and that it building. adds up yeah so I'm, I'm not surprised that they had to move out of a storefront when they got enough of a collection and get it into a library. Plus yeah. it's just nice to have a library, but. Right, absolutely, for events when we can have them. Mm-hmm. And prior to COVID, the library would host many events from story times to um, guest speakers, you name it. I want to talk a little bit about that because you became the director sort of right as the COVID-19 pandemic was beginning. Great timing. (laughs) Right, so you had to enter a brand new job and we were all in uncharted territory with COVID-19. What was that like? Oh, wow. Um, Can you say make it up as you go? (laughs) Um, It it was, um, it was a whole, it it was just an experience in making it up as you go. I mean. Right, were you like sort of like looking at what other libraries were doing oh absolutely and and we had guidance you know initially from the state you know basically the state came we were under the commonwealth library pennsylvania commonwealth libraries so they came through and said shut it down shut everything down and mm. and then you know we were we were under their their guidance you know as to when we could open and what we could do once we opened and we're still like we're on reduced hours and and you know we, we quarantine everything that comes in you know so we're still getting guidelines from them and and you know, a lot of what we do is under their guidance. So yeah. when you say you quarantine the items that are returned, are they just sort of kept separate and for, for a certain Oh, they go of time? into the basement. Okay. So as, as things come into the library, in fact, that's why, like, you know, we're, we're disappointing people because they bring donations and we can't take them because we just don't have the space because everything mm-hmm. that comes into the library goes into the basement for a minimum of 72 hours. Some things are longer and they just, they sit down there and nobody touches them. Nobody does anything with them until they've reached their quarantine period and then they can come yeah. back up and they can go back into circulation. So, you know, we, we aren't taking donations cause we just, we just don't have enough space to quarantine everything. Right. So, yeah. Um, and you and, can't just take a Lysol wipe to a, a book really. It's not really good for the book. <laughs> um, I mean, there've been stories, you know, you know, librarians, well, not talk, but we have, you know, listeners and, you know, and, and there've been stories about people microwaving books and people leaving them in cars. And, oh my God. And, um, you know, some libraries actually put um, RDIF tags in books 
do not microwave a book with an RDIF tag. It's not good for the book or the microwave. But, you know, it's, you don't want to spray a book because it's, you know, obviously moisture is a really bad thing for a book. Right. So we don't spray them and you know, we don't obviously wipe them down with moisture of any sort. So the, the next best thing is just to quarantine them and leave them alone. So right. there have been a bunch of studies done to see, you know, under the optimal conditions, optimal for COVID, you know, which obviously is not what we want, but optimal conditions, you know, how many hours, you know, if you slather it with COVID and put it in the best possible growing conditions, how long does that last? And, mm-hmm. and then obviously those are not the conditions we keep it in, but, right. you know, we, we keep it separated for that long and then we bring it up after after that time period has passed so right. like magazines stay down longer than books because that shiny material that magazines are, are kept on apparently they like the covid likes that better so interesting the magazines stay down for for an extra 24 hour period than the books do huh and sometimes a little longer because they get put aside and sometimes we forget to bring them up but <laughs> <laughs> but. but of course yeah that's like that's like extending the amount of time that the turnaround time for oh, yeah, it materials. Is. Yeah. So if and it's like a really popular item, it's going to... It takes a little longer to get. And most people have been very understanding and very, you know, as soon as we explain why it's taking so long to get that book, that, that we're quarantining it, most people are actually like, oh, that's great. You know, they're mm-hmm. happy to hear that we're quarantining it. It's yeah. actually been a comfort factor for most people. Oh, that's good. So we've had very few complaints that, that, it's, that it's taking longer when they understand why. When it first began, were people nervous about like fines for for things that weren't going to be returned on time, or um, we didn't begin charging fines until the end of June. Oh, okay. So we obviously we didn't charge fines when we were closed. Right. And even after we were open, we had a long grace period because we understood that you know it was a little weird, and we wanted people to have time to get the the notice that we were open and we were back, and you know. And we, we never shut down our bins. We took we took returns the entire time, but mm-hmm. we didn't want to assume that people knew that. So we just we shut off fines until not only we were back, but we were back and we were open and you know we were open for for a while before we started accruing fines again. I always like and this is sort of an aside, but I like those stories where like somebody returns a book that was due in like nineteen twenty nine or something. <laughs> So if you ever get one of those, let me know. Haven't had one yet. <laughs> we actually have a maximum fine. Your fine on any one item, on any one book, will never be more than ten dollars. Because once it hits ten dollars, oh, it fun. stops accruing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> one million dollars now. <laughs> well, now that said, if someone out of the goodness of their heart wants to give us a million dollars, we would certainly never say no. But a, we would never charge anyone a million yeah. dollar fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, once in a while you do, you, it's like a quirky news item or something. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I think most libraries are pretty understanding and try to be work with people when there's something like that happens. So. We try. Yeah. So were you going into the library at all when it was totally closed? or? So we had, one of us was in there each day except Sunday. So there were... There were, there were three of us. Two of us took turns, and then uh, Andrea, a children's youth librarian, went in here and there just to keep up with some stuff. And she was doing on-air programs, Facebook Live and, right. and um, virtual stuff. So she would go in so she could pull books for her programs or plan. So we just made sure we kept in contact. It, we were never in there at the same time. So only one person was ever in the building at any given time. We all knew 
Amanda and I would take turns. So each of us was in there three days a week, but never the same three days. And we made sure we were in contact with Andrea so that we were never in there on the same day or at the same time. So the bins were always being emptied daily and we were checking things in daily so that you know we, we were able to keep up with it because our bins, we didn't want them overflowing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want people returning stuff and it had nowhere to go. But that way we were able to keep up with everything and we weren't inundated with books when we finally did open, but we also weren't running into each other or being in there at the same time. We were also able to keep up with like the electric bill kept coming and we wanted to make sure that that got paid. And, you know, we don't have an automated payroll system, so we needed to make sure that that those things kept kept up. And Mm -hmm. in March, it was still cold. We needed the heat to stay on so that the furnace didn't freeze up, you know, those kinds of things. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you can't just, like, close the door and And seal it off. Right. No, I understand. But, yeah, like, I remember early on some of the first things I, I... saw that you were doing were like the the online story times it seems like those have been really popular yeah we had we had and even after some of like some people would watch live Mm -hmm. but then we had hits well afterwards people would go back in and watch them because people wanted something to do especially at the beginning when no one was going anywhere and no one was doing anything Mm -hmm. It, it wanted interaction in the only manner you could have it and then we started our story walks, which gave people basically we deconstructed books and turned it into um, panels on a on a sign and put those yeah. out in the park. And it it got people a reason to be out, you know, obviously out by themselves, but out in in the parks. So a little bit of exercise, a chance to look at a book, but still away from others, you know. Right. So it was a chance to get a little bit of exercise and get a little interaction with their family group but still you know read or enrich your mind a little bit at the same time which is important they get away from the same four walls yeah i love that that you did that and i wasn't familiar with that concept until i saw them here in allertown we thought of something different we wanted to give some you know because i know i was trying to look at my walls i needed something different to look at and we thought that was a neat way to to give somebody everybody something different to look at something yeah. different to interact with and i know miss andrea also has a book bike has she been she does. using that she, yeah she did get back out on it we didn't pull that out right away of course because right. we didn't want to encourage you know but but once once we kind of got a feel for it she's been taking it out to the parks and mm-hmm. doing outside story times so that she can she actually got stung by a bee today she was oh, at the park yeah. today and got stung by a bee but she's Ouch. But she's amazing. Um, I don't think the kids even knew. One of the moms said, I can't believe you did that. Nobody even, you know, she just kept going with her story time. So she's, hazards of the job. Hazards of the job, yeah. So she's been she's been keeping right at, she's been doing in the park story time. And we've had some outside story times and some other, you know, arts and crafts things. She had um, to-go crafts. So she would do an online story time. And then we had bins outside of the library. We still do. And you could pick up, you know, a science activity or a craft activity and and then we call it you know curbside to go so we had our own version of curbside you could pick up hmm. the, the craft or the activity and take it home and then watch the video and do it along with her so wow it was you know not quite what we were used to but still a way to keep some interaction and we had some some webex you know to try mm-hmm. to keep some interactive things going because 
you know, you get tired of a talking head on the screen, even if it's a wonderful head like Miss Andrea's. <laughs> you know, especially younger kids, they need that that interaction. So we, you know, we're trying to figure out ways to, to keep things interactive and 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 keep them engaged because, you know, they, they need that engagement. They need oh, that interaction. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a unique atmosphere trying to figure out ways to keep keep people, keep kids especially engaged and interested but still maintain the, the the distance and the safety factors it's been it's it's been interesting <laughs> yeah i'm sure and and now the kids are back in school too so they they need the library more than during the summer probably and yeah what kinds of events do you have coming up say for for fall or halloween well right now we have we're we, we were going to put together a pumpkin patch so you can stop in the library and you can get a small, I, I'm holding up my hands as if anyone can see them. Uh, you can get a small pumpkin. It's a, it's a styrofoam pumpkin and you can take it home and carve it like in a story story theme, like whether a character or a setting or, you know, your favorite, something to do with a story. And then carve it in whatever manner you want and bring it back. And we're going to build a pumpkin patch with all the pumpkins that everybody carves. And then people can stop by and take a look at it. And then right before Halloween, you know, can take theirs home so they have it to decorate for Halloween. And then we're gonna have, she's got a pumpkin with all kinds of different ideas. And you, you reach in the pumpkin and you pull one out. And that's your, there's, there's um, you know, read a story and tell the librarian your favorite character. Hmm. Or, you know, a couple of different activities. And you can either take it, some of them will be take home activities. And it depends on your reading level and your age level. And when you do that, you come back in, or you know, if you do it in the library, you get a little prize, some you know, some tattoos, some you know, fruit snacks, things like that. We're also going to have, you know, we've got you know, art art stuff and reading groups and different things. Pretty much everything, as long as the weather holds, we're going to have a lot of stuff outside on the lawn. We're still going to have some virtual stuff, and we're going to have we're going to we're going to try an indoor activity we're going to have a um like a, a pumpkin woodland creatures woodland characters activity sponsored by you know by a local family in the library so this is we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes we're gonna we're gonna have everyone that wants to do it sign up for a slot they're gonna they're gonna sign up andrew's gonna get back to them so we're gonna have it spread out all over the basement we've got separate rooms separate tables and she's gonna map it out. So we're not gonna give you time right away when you call. We're gonna figure out how, you know, how many people, how many adults, how many kids, and we're gonna, she's gonna map it out so we can get everybody spread out and, you know, keep the numbers and, you know, we'll call back once we know how many people we've got so we can, you know, it's gonna be math and puzzles and, you know, <laughs> just, just the work getting everybody, how we can spread everybody out. Mm-hmm. And it, it will be limited, which is something we don't like because in the past we've always kind of gone with the you know more the merrier we'll find room we'll find you know we'll make, right. make sure we can get everybody in there which obviously isn't something we can do anymore you know right now we're gonna try to keep you know a few indoor things but we're gonna have multiple sessions we're gonna strictly limit how many people are there we are gonna enforce you know people are gonna have to sign up ahead of time and, and, you know, we're not going to be able to have walk-ins. We're not going to be able to, you know, oh, yeah, sure, we'll make room for you. Come on in. You know, we'll squeeze you in here. We're going we're gonna to ask that people definitely sign up ahead of time, and we're going to map it out so that we can, we can keep social distancing, and we're going you know, to keep family groups together, and we're going to put people in separate rooms. But we're going to give it a go, and we're going to see if we can make it work. 
do they have to wear masks? Or oh, absolutely. Covering? Yeah, okay. we ask everyone in the library to, to wear a mask when they come in. Right. So. Right. Got to get some masks with some nice quotes on them or something. like. Um, we have quotes. Halloween masks for the kids. <laughs> and we have a box of masks at the desk if anyone forgets one. We have oh, some okay. disposable ones. And we've, we've actually, everyone's been very cooperative and, you know, no one's... Everyone's been been very cooperative and happy to wear their masks. How does it work with like the computer stations? Because I know a lot of people use those. Well, we are down. Um, we have every other one shut off, so so that we can distance. We don't, you know, normally we would have four along that wall there. Right mm -hmm. now, we only have two. Okay. Um, we do have one set up in another area in the library, so we've got three of them right now. And we've got, it's, it's the sticky paper. I think it's the... Oh, I know what you mean. The cling... Yeah, uh, the cling wrap. Yeah. And, as soon as someone's done using it, we spray it down with bleach mm -hmm. and spray the seat down. And boy, the place smell. I go home and I smell like bleach. And the <laughs> library smells like bleach. But you know, I'm getting. I, no, I'm not getting used to it. Everything smells like bleach. But between users, everything gets sprayed down with bleach before the next person, before another person can use it. And and we just if if we have a line, and it's actually not been too bad. We have we've less people I think wanting to use the computers. Mm -hmm. even though, you know there were other times when we had lines, but if we have to, we enforce a time limit so that everyone gets a turn. Right. Um, it hasn't been too bad. We haven't had a, a lot of issues with you know people waiting or not having enough space. You know we just ask people to be polite and and chat. Yeah. Because there are less computers available because we do have to to keep the distance between them. Right. And some people I know really really do need to use those computers. Yeah. It's not just a convenience, it's Correct. almost a necessity because it can be a lifeline if you don't have the internet at home. So And and that's we do ask people to to allow for necessities before pleasure. Right. You know, we do and, and originally when we first opened up we were doing appointments and we were prioritizing again necessities over over enjoyment. You know, if you were if you needed it for work or for school or for, you know, an unemployment, something like that, mm -hmm. we were prioritizing those appointments over surfing for entertainment. Right. And, and we were enforcing a half hour time limit as things have gotten a little more, more, as, as we've gotten more comfortable and we've gotten a little more familiar with what people are using it for, we've been able to be a little more lax about that. Mm -hmm. And and again, we're just asking people to share. You know, if someone's waiting, please, please limit your time. If right. someone needs it for a school function or a work function and you're using it for entertainment purposes, we would ask that you allow the person that needs it for a necessity to please have access and come back at another time for entertainment purposes. And then we spray it down please. <laughs> Yeah, a lot definitely. Of bleach. We've been going through a lot of bleach. I'm sure <laughs> a little bit of consideration goes a long way. And and you'd be surprised. Almost everyone has been very considerate. Good, good. I wanted to to touch on. I mean, I know libraries are never exactly flush with funding. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a wonderful world? <laughs> what what is the, the Hellertown Library situation like with that, and then I would like to talk about maybe some ways that our listeners can help, you know, support the library. Maybe they can become a friend of the library, or you can make suggestions. Well, we are expecting cuts at the state level, and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet. I don't think anyone knows exactly what's going to happen at the state level yet. So the 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 state has only done a half year budget so we're kind of waiting 
at this point, they're doing like a five twelfths cut for that first year, half year. So we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. As far as the local level, while we're not expecting increases at the local level, we're also not expecting any cuts. So we're expecting to stay the same as we were this year, which we're really happy with the support from Hellertown and, and Lower Saucon because we know they're expecting a difficult time as well. So mm-hmm. we're grateful that, that they're not cutting us and that they're, they're that we're anticipating that they'll keep us in the same position that we are this year. So, you know, it's not going to be a banner near next year. And, you know, we're, we're, we're being, we're being careful. We're counting our pennies and, you know, we are, we are being very careful with what we spend. You know, we're, we're doing small things to try to make all of our dollars go a little bit farther just because we know it's going to be a tighter year next year. So for instance, the job that I held previously, we're, we're not going to fill that as of now, you know, that, that frees up a little bit that we can play with. And so instead of buying three copies of the latest James Patterson book, we're going to buy one. And if there's a huge wait list, then we'll consider getting another copy if, mm-hmm. you know, we need it. So we're just More little cautious. things like that. We're yeah. going to be cautious with the money and, and careful with how we spend it. Yeah. You know, if someone walks in with that, with that million dollar late fee and hands us a check <laughs> for a million dollars, then, you know, then, then we can get there. a couple more copies of that James Patterson book. Did you hear that? <laughs> Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> yeah. But you do you do have a group of community supporters called the Friends of the Hellertown Area we Library. Do. And they organize fundraisers for you. They do. So they, they have, you know, they have a membership fee that once a year and, and um, you know, they raise money that way. One thing that they were working on that unfortunately got a little bit sidetracked because because of COVID, they were working on our uh, our exterior. So they're mm-hmm. they're selling bricks and they're working on um, our outside. A couple of years ago, they put a new roof on the library, which mm-hmm. is an amazing undertaking and a desperately needed undertaking. Yes. And we have a beautiful new facade and a new roof. Now they're working to make the rest of the outside look as, as beautiful as the library does. So it kind of got pushed back a year just because there was a, you couldn't really do anything for a right. while. So they're looking at, you know, picking back up in the spring and, you know, getting back on track with that. So we would love to have some help with that. We would love, you know, anyone who's interested in buying a brick, buy a brick. You know, we're looking at in the spring, kicking that back into gear and hopefully getting that put together in the summer. Anyone who has experience with any kind of landscaping, we'd love some help from, you know, anyone that would like to volunteer in that manner. You know, we'd like to put some new lights in. Our parking lot lights are in need of replacement. Mm, well, um, that's kind of important. Yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> and we need some new concrete. Some of our sidewalks have settled and are not, uh, you know, flush and not, right. not where we'd like them to be. Yeah, um, it's like I said, it's nearly a 30-year-old building, so mm-hmm. a lot of things after that amount of time need to be replaced. Yeah. Or that's kind of standard. Yeah, so th- th- that's something that they they're they're gonna pick up again in spring. They've they're, they're gonna start ramping up again. They're you know they've taken some time off, and I, I don't know that they have a definite time frame of when they're gonna start meeting again. But but mm-hmm. I, I think they'll 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 be getting back together soon. Yeah. Um, but they are still selling bricks. So any in anyone that's interested in buying a brick, I remember you know, can, we did a story I think about that back yeah. when it was first announced. Yeah, uh, it's it, it kind of slowed down there for a while, but yeah. but I think in the spring it'll pick back up. Our goal is to have it. We basically we it got put off a year because right. you know, what didn't right right so. 
What are your current hours at the library? Well, this week, (laughs) we expect them to change next week. So this week we are Monday from, and and I'm going to go slow because I, they've been changing a lot. So I want to make sure you're right. So we open every day at 10, except Saturday when we open at nine. And then Monday we close at 4.30. Tuesday we close at 3.30. Wednesday we close at 7.30. Thursday and Friday, we close at 3.30, and Saturday, we close at 3.30. But next week, we want to start expanding our hours. Now, we can't go back completely to our regular hours because we do still have to have reduced hours, but we want to get some afternoon hours because, you know, kids come in after school, and we want to be there for that. Andrea's got some after-school programs she wants to get to get back to, and we've had some requests for more evening hours because, you know, a lot of people can't get there during the day, and we mm-hmm. want to be there in the evening when when people can be there. So next week, we're going to be expanding a little closer to what we would normally have. So next week on Monday and Wednesday, we'll be open till 7.30. On Tuesday and Thursday, we'll be open till 5.30. On Friday, we'll be open till 3.30. And Saturday, we'll be open till 3.30. And we'll be opening at 10 o'clock every day. And on except Saturday when we opening at nine. Right. Yeah, that sounds those hours sound a little more familiar. The, it's it's <laughs> a little reduced from what we yeah. were, but it's it's a lot closer. And then Mondays we are asking that, you know, that first hour be reserved for anyone who has, you know, a, a high risk. Okay. Yeah. That's a good good thing to uh, keep in mind. And then of course your website is a great resource for people we to like check to think out. So. You can search the catalog of course and mm-hmm. you can make requests for items through you the can. website and you can um, check your own account and you can see what you have you can place holds you can renew items you can do up to three renewals unless someone else has it on hold we don't charge for holds we don't charge for any of those sorts of things but we're also happy to do it you know give us a call we're happy to do it over the phone as well mm-hmm and, and of course, like your Facebook page, because mm-hmm. you update that regularly. We do. Are you on Instagram? We are. Okay, so definitely follow you on Instagram. We're Facebook first. We, we are most of our, we put more on Facebook than we do, but every month we have a new little mascot, and you'll see pictures of our mascot of the month with whatever new has come in. So if you're looking to see what's new, check out Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, and there'll be a picture of our mascot with whatever's new. Awesome. And, of course, you're at 409 Constitution Avenue in Hellertown. If you're new to the area, you know, or maybe you just haven't been in the habit, you know, lately of, of using the library, there's, they're a great resource. And, and we think so. Definitely, you should check it out and tell a friend. And uh, thank you, Noelle. And we're looking for volunteers if anyone's looking yes. to donate an hour or two or the week. Yeah, it, and especially if you're somebody who, who's a reader, you know, mm-hmm. loves books. That's, get to see what's new right and you'll be around other book lovers too so That's true. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us and for the updates thank you for having me i'd like to welcome the owners of root crafted cocktail mixers to no rain date trish Lauden and diane amasio thank you for joining us Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. excited. We've had a story about Root earlier this year. They are the owners of this wonderful craft cocktail mixer business that they dreamed up, basically. 
necessity was the mother of invention, as you said. Tell us a little bit more about first how how your interest in cocktails developed and then how you got together and started the business. Well, Diane and I are really good drinkers, <laughs> so we're pretty much professional. Yeah, varsity yeah. level, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Like if there was an Olympic for drinkers, we would not be allowed to compete because we're professionals. So did you go to school for that? <laughs> I went to Lehigh, so Penn <laughs> State. Yeah, 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 kind of. Yeah, kind of did. Um, so we we enjoy our cocktails and we enjoy creating different ones and using healthy all natural ingredients. So that was kind of where we were when we would spend time together. That's how we would how we would drink these wonderful right. craft cocktails. Different. And we def- yeah we definitely wanted unique flavors, right? So a lot of times when you go out there, it's margarita mojito, which is fine and great, but there wasn't anything kind of cool for a martini, and we loved martinis right shaken real cold served up is how we liked our drinks and so we came up with some really great unique flavors like the lemongrass and we have the granada which is a pomegranate one our hound is grapefruit based so a lot of things you wouldn't see we have a cucumber one called the cuke you don't ever see Mm -hmm. cucumber in a bottle as well right yeah especially bottled Mm -hmm. right i remember you saying like that you were kind of maybe expecting to find something like this out there in the market and when you started looking you didn't find anything because yeah we were creating them at home ourselves with you know hanging out on weekends with our kids and our husbands and so we wanted to create cocktails that you could get out at bars like really good restaurants and bars that make these craft cocktails so we were doing that at home but then it was getting cumbersome so we were like why, why can't there we find something on the market that's similar to what we're making Right. We couldn't find anything that was all natural, organic, and unique. I mean, there's there are organic margaritas and organic mojitos and that sort of thing, but not anything that was the flavors, profiles that we liked. Right. That were different. Right. You have one that's uh, hi- hibiscus. Yes. I really yes. like that one. The heavy, heavy. Yes. Yeah. It, it's great. It mixes with everything and anything, right? You could put a splash in Prosecco. You can serve it with vodka, gin, but it's also great with the bullet rye. So you can really, it's just so versatile. All of our drinks are. They mix with any spirit, and we mean anything and everything, and we've tried them all. <laughs> Someone's got to do yeah, it. That's a lot of R&D. Mark so you, you're still, are you still, like, constantly, like, thinking of new flavors? Yeah, or? we have new flavors that we will come out with. We've kind of been halted just due to COVID, mm-hmm. sourcing ingredients and getting to that level. To get it to market, so so we are always thinking of the next, the next one. So we had when we launched, we had five, and then a year later we launched the the Cuke, which was last summer. So we're you know we were hoping to get another one out this summer, but just right. I am always thinking about my next cocktail. You <laughs> <laughs> meant creating one, not drinking oh, yeah, one. Yeah. Different. Where where yeah where do you draw inspiration for that? so funny we were just talking about this today it's very selfish it's things we like to drink so we're not going to create a flavor or a blend that we wouldn't drink ourselves so all of these blends are the ones that are near and dear to our heart that we love that we would drink at any moment and any time so it's all the flavors that we enjoy it's not just like yeah like what's the hot flavor trendy or something right now which you read about in how many magazines and we were just talking about pumpkin spice. <laughs> and pumpkin, a perennial yeah. favorite. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but you couldn't 
bottle one for all year round. Yeah, you know what I mean? right. And that's a really good one for is obviously the fall. Right. And I have to say, I'm not sure I could drink pumpkin spice all night long either. No. You know, I'm yeah, thinking one, that's like a one, one and done, right? You're having one cocktail and then you're moving on, which is fine. But there's some people who want to just play the game. And keep it's going. not a, a <laughs> sessionable <laughs> cocktail. Right, yeah, three pumpkin spice. Not that I've done that. No, 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 no. No, I mean, but you could maybe transition from that to something apple that might be more yeah. session worthy. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have our all pair. Mm -hmm. um, so our pair is fantastic. We say it can't watch your kids, but it'll take good care of you. So the offer is fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and that's, so when we created all these cocktails at the time, we created the, we were drinking the pear martini that we created. I had had an au pair. It started working for okay. me. She lasted two weeks. And then she moves on. She didn't, she Not much longer than the drink. She, yeah, exactly. She kept my house completely clean. She was awesome as a housekeeper, but she really didn't seem to care for kids. So, huh. So that's why we came up with the au pair at that time. We just thought it was funny. That's why we named it the au pair. Well, wherever you are, au pair, <laughs> cheers. Cheers, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've met a few of them, and, and well, most of them are good. Most of them are great. Yeah, there's always one that will drive you to yeah. drink. <laughs> we need that inspiration. Yeah, we do. We have that already. You talked a little bit about sourcing like ingredients how does that work do you just like do a lot of research online or yeah I mean it's we learned from when we first manufactured our first batch or when we first would create our drinks we used the products that we could get like at Wegmans or Giant so organic juices mm -hmm. then we learned the hard way that to then to make a huge batch of it for our first batch they don't ha they don't sell them in barrels like you know the, the different juices we were buying so we then had to I think we even used we actually bought the bot like we our first batch we did actually buy purchase just run. bottles for mm -hmm. first, it was a trial run just to see if we can ramp up you know going from creating a recipe for one cocktail versus 50 gallons just learning how to to scale it so then after that we we just did a ton of research and finding organic juices from all over the world um, mm. so we, we most of them are we get from Washington State Oregon California, I would say most of our juices come from there. And it's just, the batches are different every time, even if it's the same brand, same company. It's just right. the juices seem to be different. So so we just kind of stay on top of it. And always we are always at every run. So we're tasting the product and just making sure the juice, you know, is up, you know, if we have to adjust anything for it. Right. Yeah, you're always going to have those sort of it's flavor natural. variations. Yeah, and it's really, it's the color too. So sometimes... Yeah. You know, you'll see us post and we'll say, oh, look at the color of our hippie, this, this, you know, yeah. this, this mm -hmm. one, because it, it was so pretty. But it's just, you know, the hibiscus flowers in our tea leaves that were Where the honey to be was brighter. a little different. Yeah, yeah there's just uh, So it just variations. happens. Yeah, no, that, that's a good, a good point. And you guys do send out regular emails. Definitely sign up for your, for your emails because they include, like, recipes that are mouth-watering, and <laughs> yeah. I always enjoy, you know, looking at them. And <laughs> oh, good, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we do. Like we try to run a recipe a week. Uh, we yeah. send out just why you know people can create their their own type of. They can customize this cocktail, right? So it's whatever you want it to be. Right. Um, if you're a vodka drinker, fantastic. If you're a gin, bourbon, whatever you 
light, you can add to it and you can customize it. I think it's very easy to get stuck in a rut with your drinks. Like, yes. I mean, that's your go-to. Especially and, the pandemic. Yeah. There was a yeah. lot more drinking at that time and people were getting sick of the typical stuff. So right. I think that, that, you know, gives you a little bit more variety. Yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that too because it's sort of, certainly people were drinking, are drinking. I mean, but the way people have been drinking has changed a little bit and for a while there we had we heard constantly about the zoom happy hours mm-hmm. and it seems like well things have opened up since you know the mm-hmm. summer so people can actually do real happy hours more. And, and root was great for those zoom happy hours i mean trish and i started a thing where we sent you know if you did a zoom happy hour and want to send one to your friend we did you know kind of a, a bit of a giveaway but we had a lot of people reach out to us and send it to their friends mm-hmm. so they can enjoy it together as they were on these Zoom calls and, and right. being isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. To connect. Yeah. No, I mean, it's nobody wants to drink alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> well, sometimes. Well, when you've been quarantined in the house with your yeah. entire family yeah. for that's a while. That's true. It might be nice. Yeah. Just well, that's what I mean about how to change how <laughs> yeah. we drink. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's a good point. It's it's more acceptable under certain circumstances. <laughs> but yeah, we've we've at least gotten past that a little bit. And, hopefully. And yeah, hopefully is right. You mentioned the pear is a, is a good fall flavor to to go for. Like, what do you have anything like beyond that? Like looking ahead towards the holidays. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. So we kind of say, you know, we not to niche our products at all, but. We have three that are very more of infusions or a bit lighter, the lemongrass, the hibiscus, or the hibby hibby, and the cuke. We kind of say earmark those a lot more for the right spring and summer. Mm-hmm. But going to fall, we have three fabulous juice blends that are the hound, which is grapefruit and tart cherry, the au pair, which we talked about, and then the granada, which is pomegranate. So, you know, we always yeah. say, Thanksgiving is great for au pair, or any of them, and then Christmas a lot is uh, Granada, right? You can make mm-hmm. a really pretty red cocktail with that, throw in some pomegranates and, you know, fresh rosemary and stuff like that. So they really look festive as well. And even with the Prosecco, I'd like you add just a touch of it to Prosecco, it gives just a nice festive drink mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving or Christmas kind of, you know, holiday gatherings, if there are going to be gatherings. <laughs> One other thing that I, and I hope I'm not being sacrilegious by saying this, like, but, like, not everybody drinks alcohol, and, and you can true, certainly right? use them to I make a great mocktail. <laughs> no, that's very true. Yes. So mocktails yeah. are great. I mean, our children drink root on its own with, like, some seltzer. Yeah. Um, or no, I've done soda. that. That's yeah, what's... Nice. So you don't need a lot. Just, you know, just a... Maybe a tablespoon, yeah. something like yeah. that. It's it's definitely a great alternative. And if you do have any non-drinkers coming to your house for the holidays or for an event or a, a dinner party, it's always nice to offer them something because they always get left out. You know, right. What is it? Water. So they get water or coffee yeah, or tea or, or something. So this is nice to say, hey, we can make you a fun-looking cocktail as well. Mm-hmm. And you can share with the rest of us on what yeah. we're drinking, just, you know, minus... 
<laughs> right, minus some of the, the laughs and everything. Yeah, <laughs> and it is nice to have, especially with, you know, in the holidays with kids around, like it said, it's a nice alternative to soda because it is, right. the, the juices are organic, they're natural, it's, you know, natural sugar. To just put a splash of that in seltzer, I mean, the kids love it. It's, you know, it's just an alternative. And there's so many flavored seltzers now that there needs to be. I mean, it yeah. used to be like lemon, lime. Now there's, I mean, I have hibiscus at home. And yeah, but even like a watermelon seltzer with the cuke is fantastic. Ooh, that sounds like, yeah. yeah it's I nice, it's refreshing, that. it's, you know, you don't need, and you could then add vodka if you'd like. Right. <laughs> but you, you definitely don't have to. Right. Now, your, your products are obviously available on your website, as yeah. you mentioned, and, and you do offer local delivery. Mm-hmm. We do. We absolutely do. And that's rootcrafted.com. I think sometimes people get a little mixed up here. They have to put the rootcrafted. <laughs> right. So both pieces of it. And if they're following us on Instagram, same thing is at rootcrafted. They are also in some state stores. Yep. Yes. Yes. I think we're in about mm-hmm. 60. Yep. State stores, and we we hit you know the Promenade, mm-hmm. Cedar Crest, and the Easton. Two forty eight, two forty eight. Oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. the, so those the three big ones. Yeah. The three big ones, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're the only ones to go to, really. Yeah. <laughs> and then also on long. Amazon, you can find our product on Amazon. Oh, okay. Um, if that seems to be your comfort level, mm-hmm. Amazon does carry all of our products as well. Where do you see root going? Root growing from here, like. Everywhere. That's our <laughs> Household name. We want to get, you know, grocery stores national. So, and we are. We, we have been picked up a lot of boutique specialty stores all over the country. Awesome. Um, so it's just, you know, we have to grow slow. Um, yeah. And organically, essentially. So, so yeah, so we're, we're getting out there. You know, now we're looking into distribution and, you know. I think you should be on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone I love that show. That too. <laughs> I can totally yeah, picture you guys yeah. on there and like getting a great a deal, like because you have. Yeah. I mean, the, the product is is ultimately what what they're looking yeah. at. And yeah. Thank you, thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we think it's we think it's different because for us to launch a cocktail mixer, it's such a huge market. You can't enter it with something that's you know similar to everything out there so we feel ours is different based on the flavors they're all the profiles are different it's organic it's all natural and it mixes with any spirit Mm -hmm. each of them mix with any spirit and we have recipes on our website to give you those right guide to that and it's two to one i mean it's very simple two parts root to one part you can't really mess it up no you can't mess it up and if you're local, just call or text us. We'll walk you yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> we'll walk you yeah. through. We'll walk you through. The t- or I may show up on your doorstep. Well, I think some people are intimidated by cocktails. Like, I mean, it they can are. be intimidating. And, and the ones that we found on the market before we launched were mixers that required several other products. They needed, you need to have bitters. And mm-hmm. you had to have seltzer. You had to have other things to put in it. And simple syrup. And that's the point of the mixer is you want to be done you want to just add one spirit and you're, you have a great cocktail so that's why we right you know, made it as simple as we could but we, with the product in the end that tastes like you muddled and juiced and did all the work of a craft cocktail but it's just simple yeah mixing it shaking you don't have it to be a mixologist because yeah. you know, we and your drinks could taste like it, <laughs> it yeah. exactly yeah it's i mean impress you know they're delicious but you'll also impress 
your guests and um, and you can spend more time with your guests you're not sitting there making craft you know crafting right. cocktails takes a lot of time to do and, them one at a time and yeah and I think simple. a lot of people don't realize they can batch them too right, right. so you say two to one but it's not just two to one for individualized drinks they can put it in a pitcher they can pre-mix them and just have them all poured out too a lot of our friends have done that during their parties pre-covid you know so they can batch them it's great it's, it's way it just makes it so much simpler to serve yeah Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, and definitely fun. visit the website, follow Root on Instagram. Yeah. We also have a story from not that long ago on Sock and Source that you can mm-hmm. refer back to. Just Google Root Crafted Cocktail Mixers and you'll find it in the top of the results. So, yeah, I mean, wish you guys all the best. Thank you. Thank and you so much, And continued growth, continued success. And, uh, to consider pumpkin spice maybe for 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, we'll give you this one. How about au pair with a pumpkin brandy? It's called pumpkin brandy. I will more than consider that. And you can can rim the glass with like pumpkin spice or something. Ooh, yeah. I have really good pumpkin spice at home that I got at Fresh Market. Absolutely. Yeah. Cinnamon stick in there or something. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, p- big part of it is just the look and the mm-hmm. presentation, the glow, the orange, you know, like, it's, pumpkin spice is crazy, like, the amount of products they have now, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> everywhere, yeah. Yeah. it's insane, yeah. it's funny. but yeah, we, I could do a whole episode about that, but <laughs> thank you again for joining us. Thank you so yeah. much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. We've been recording No Rain Date since late 2019, and we've produced a fair number of episodes at this point. We would love to hear your feedback about what we're doing. What makes you tune in every week? What ideas do you have for interview guests? Is there something that you think the podcast is missing? Feel free to share your thoughts, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent with us. You can do that by emailing josh at josh at sockandsource.com. No Rain Date is a local news and information podcast, and we focus on the Saucon Valley. However, our guests are from the Lehigh Valley and beyond. So please try and keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about ideas for future episodes. Thank you. No Rain Date is an original production of Sock and Source, LLC. Our theme music is provided by This Way to the Egress. For more great music by them, be sure to follow This Way to the Egress on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Every night, he climbs the tower, sees your face on every tower.